everybody, this is Will Houck with The Roots, Rednecks, and Radicals on KNBC 95.1 FM in Carson City, Nevada. And this is an interview I did with singer-songwriter extraordinaire Todd Snyder. We talked back in February before he was coming to play a show up in uh, Lake Tahoe. And I think the show was scheduled for March. It got shut down with the whole uh, COVID shutdown. It was one of the first, um, uh, first shows in this area to get shut down as a part of that and I've been sitting on it for quite a while now and decided to go ahead and edit it and put it out there in the world because uh, this weekend was Todd Snyder's birthday and I thought well that's a good a good occasion to put that interview out in the world so here you go I hope you enjoy it and a good time talking with him he's an interesting guy he's written a million great songs over the years and uh, he's full of a fun, interesting, and kind of strange stories. We talked about everything from uh, Johnny Cash's ghost to uh, his songwriting skills to just all the all the fun stuff that he likes to talk about. So, here you go. I hope you enjoy it. recent record was recorded at Cash Cabin, which is a recording studio converted from a small cabin retreat that Johnny Cash built. Can you tell us why you chose to record in that space? Yeah, I, I was uh, having these dreams about it, which isn't a thing I usually would respond to, but I had a friend, Dave Schools, in widespread panic who was telling me, uh, I, li- I moved out here by it, and then I got to go see it, and then I had dreams about it, and my friend Dave was like, you should go see what's, what that's about. And I went out there and spent the night. John Carter, his son, said I could. Dave was with me um, and made up that song just like overnight and then started that song about Johnny Cash. And I started that one with John Carter because he was just telling me he was like he asked me if I thought the place was haunted, and I was like, I'm not, I'm not a ghost person. But he told me this story about Loretta Lynn being out there, and we made up that song. So then I had two songs going, and then John Carter said I could use his dad's guitar, and then it just, I just like, um, I then it just kept going, you know, it just kept going, and eventually it turned into a record. John Carter. Told me he saw her outside his window dancing alone one night. He got a feeling she was dancing with his father. But when he asked her, she told him he was right. When the red wind goes dancing with the ghost of Johnny Cash, Father Time they forever and to make it look like lightning lightning flash. I just kept waiting for songs to come, and then if songs would come, I'd go over there. John Carter probably should have got a producer credit, too. 
Yeah, I was gonna ask you about. Did, did, so he did he he was there. He wasn't officially producing it, but he was kind of there helping produce yeah, it. Yeah, because he couldn't be there all the time. He was just coming in and going. But his opinion is important to me, and and him and I have a real connection on what song we uh, that we like. That, like he writes songs too, and I really like his songs. And also, we sort of uh, studied the same people. We know our, him and I know our Christofferson backwards and forwards, you know, so it's like we're close in that regard. So, so you had a a relationship with him before the record? Barely. I have, I got to make up songs with Loretta Lynn and then I don't know how that started. I would just, I think she was looking for people to sing with and somebody mentioned me and so we made up three songs and she recorded one and he was the producer and I got to watch him produce her, and that was really impressive to me. And and I saw that twice, and then I went out and, re- and asked him if I could record at his place, and then he kind of was in and out of it. And now I'm, I was supposed to go over there later today just to work on some songs. Huh. How did the... So it, it, it's called Volume 3. Was that like a... It, there, there isn't a Volume 1 and a Volume 2, right? There is, you know, which and and I don't think they'll come out now, okay. which which is a drag. But it was it, the hardworking Americans had. That was, I had I was in this like side group called the hardworking Americans, right. but, but we we took it seriously. It was and we made a record, and we almost made another record, but Neil Casal didn't was, hadn't played on it, and then he passed away. Right. Um, and so now I don't think it's in good taste to, to put that album out um and but and then then and then volume one the very 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 first time i went over there because i had had that dream and all that we were just we stayed a bunch of acid and i read poems and played bongos and crap and that's that's kind of entertaining and funny we were going to put that out for like a buck i think (laughs) that sounds i'd love to hear that <laughs> someday maybe that'll come out, and someday the the hardworking American thing might come out too. Daniel Sproul, it's just complicated because um, you know a few months before it was going to come out, Neil Casal, um, you know, did himself away, as they say, right. and that's now the whole that whole band is still. I mean, I don't think we'll play or do anything ever again. Now I can't see; I, it would seem weird. Yeah, he was such a core part of that that whole experience. Yeah, yeah, we tried to do some shows without him, and it was just it wasn't the same. The 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 push and pull between him and Dave Schools and Neil Casal were like these. Re, or, or then Dave Schools still is. It's mm-hmm. like really um, resonating on a serious frequency or something, you know. Together, right. that that two thing, those two together made that band really special. Yeah, so you, you mentioned Dave uh, earlier with the, the Cash Cabin re- recording. Did uh, did he produce that? Was he was he just kind of hanging around like like John? He Carter? produced the the band tracks, okay. and and you know should have probably again like another person that probably should have got a credit or or should, I think I thanked him, but like you know producing such a broad job, but like uh, he, there was there was a while where he was the one saying yeah keep writing keep writing keep writing, and that sometimes just what producing is we got out there and it's like my age it's like i kind of go traveling around looking for songs and they're like little fishing ponds sometimes and so 
when we got out there to that place, just, just the physicality of this place. It was like um, I, I could see myself sitting out here making up lots of songs. I think I made up like 12 or more. And then I don't know that I think that they, the ones the band did were, were that great. They were a little whiny because of my divorce. But, you know, I don't know. It, it didn't have, they didn't have Neil on it. And, and, I, and I don't, and, yeah. But yeah, Dave, Dave has been like a muse to me over the last half decade. Somebody I learn a lot from and look up to quite a bit and think of, uh, you know, kind of like a brother. That man, we'd all fight a little too sometimes, but that's just music. Right. Yeah, Dave's, Dave's pretty incredible. He, um, he produced that record with uh, Kenny Roby um, that hasn't come out yet, and I'm looking forward to, to hearing that one. Yeah, it's funny. As, as much as he's done as a, as a musician, I think his finest years might be in front of him with some of his production ideas. I think he'd make a really good country music producer, mm. largely because he doesn't know anything about country music. And so you play him a country song, and he has a lot of strange ideas. That's interesting. Yeah, he, in, in some ways, he, he reminds me of Rick Rubin in, in that he's... Uh, I could see him becoming a Rick Rubin type character you know and he 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 definitely like um um had a huge role in this record because i think even like he was there when he was like just sitting in the room while i was working on those songs the force of nature song i thought was for him at first because like the band it was about those two but i'm a hard person to i'm the hardest cat to herd in in the bag and have been my whole life and i try hard not to be that guy but i make things hard for everyone so i was trying to sing that song to dave like you know like i, I don't want to get kicked out of this band i just have a really hard time um acting my age or whatever you know i've done even with drugs it's just I've been that way since I was a kid. Right, right. So I was going to ask you about Force of Nature, actually, and uh, the collaboration with uh, Jason Isbell. And um, I I was just interested in in how that came about. It's like a force of nature coming over me. Well, I can't keep my from moving. Him and I have been friends since, you know, he was in the truckers, and then his wife came into my life. I have a lot, like a lot, like she's a violinist, but I learned a ton about music from her, a ton about guitar from her. And then when they got married, they asked me to be their, their um, preacher or whatever. And I heard all those that, that record, the Southeastern record, I heard that before it came out. I kind of knew Jason was about to take over the town. And then he, and, uh, you know, and we've just been friends. I, when I was working on the record, I sent him those, sent him, I'm not sure I sent him all the songs, but I sent him a few, and he, he wrote back and said, uh, I want to sing on these, or, you know, so he came out, they both came out. Right. Just being nice, you know. You know, just being nice. Was was Amanda Shires? Did she play on anything or sing on anything on that one? I think they they, they sing and then I play everything else. 
Gotcha. But they we jammed some that night too. Right. And someday I could see being produced by either one of them. They're both they could be producers too someday. I think. Yeah, he just did that one with uh, Josh Ritter uh, last year. He, he oh, see that. I love Josh, man, and that kid, he's, he's from out where I'm from. Hmm. Oh, they've made a great pair. What a melodic couple guys. Yeah, yeah, it came out, um, I forget the name of the off the top of my head, but uh, the 400 unit Jason's band played. Um, oh, that's so, you know. It's great. It's a great album. Yeah, I, um, I am proud to be friends with those two because it's, it's more than just music, what those two are doing and accomplishing in our town. Nashville is just they're, they're together they're kind of a Willie and Waylon for for their era they they have um, they, they've just I guess like Steve Earl calls them art, uh, art, uh, integrity scares there's a great integrity scare going on in Nashville <laughs> all the people are singing for the right reason for for the time being but I wouldn't want to say the right reason that's not fair but sort of the reason I like or whatever no, yeah, it, him and, uh, and Jason and Amanda Shires, um, you know, I, I've, I've never met them. I'm, you know, I'm on the other side of the country from them. But uh, just from a, a th- looking from the outside in, there's there's such an inspiration, you know, just as like a average working class guy. They, they, right, that's right. They're just incredible. That's what I see it, too. That's the way I see it, too. And I'm glad he came here and did his thing because it's impacted country music. It's, it's like, it's just impacted a lot. There's a lot of artists that work here. And and those two kind of come in and, um, well, it's just been good for the town. And I'm glad to be their friend, you know. Right. How, how have you been with the, uh, the the tornado that came through? I lucked out. My um, my house is off the path. I'm out in Hendersonville. Mm-hmm. But my rehearsal place is right smack in the middle of it. And I just got lucky. Like, the, the building next to mine is gone. Wow. But, uh... Yeah, that that it was brutal. Still, still has people are still really digging out of the rubble right now. Yeah, I saw that there was a, there was a show happening at the the basement east, um, and it was it was live streaming on on the night you know before the the tornado, and um, God, just the the timing of it. If it if that had come through a couple hours earlier, I mean, it would have been a oh complete God, disaster. damn! I hadn't even thought of that. Ay, ay, ay. Cool man. So the uh, the song "Cowboy Jack Clement's Waltz" is 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 a fun song and um, is dedicated to the memory of Jack Clement and his musical contributions. What what inspired you to write that song? Where did that song come from? His house burned down, um, you know, almost a decade ago. And in the uh, article, he in the article about it happening, they one of the reporters says that he was out front of his house trying to sell it while it was on fire. Hmm. And that made me, and then, then, and I started making up a song about that, and um, that part ended up not even making it in the song. The song was like eight years, like I was working on it, and um, didn't uh, didn't see why. Why would you sing that? What, 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 you know, like there's no. I have lots of songs like that where it's like, okay, that's a good song, but why? Well, and then when we got out to the cash cab, and though, and those songs started coming out. And, and, and Cowboy Jack was John John Cash's best friend. So I told John Carter, I was like, you know, I've got this thing up, this little poem about Cowboy Jack that that really I don't know why I wrote it down, but I have it. You know, well, maybe it's something. Maybe it's about it's for this 
and then so that's so it ended up you know ended up being I don't really play that live very much though you know because hmm. I'm like well I wonder if anybody would even know what it's about but those are his sort of rules for recording he had a really he had a really cool um, attitude towards recording that it was that if it wasn't fun you were failing and then hmm. there's a lot of truth to that yeah yeah, there's something about um, re- recording the environment and the the context that that comes through in very intangible ways. You know, like don't you think? I I totally agree with that. It's like one of my favorite things. The thing that draws me to music is those little things that the alphabet can't talk. You can't do it. You can't explain it with the alphabet or with the words and yeah. little magic stuff. That's that's why I like that jam band stuff too. When the that reminds me of like when the when the when the crowds at that like a, they call it effervescence or whatever you ever be at a fish show when the crowd just kind of pops for no reason. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I've never seen fish, but I just saw leftover salmon last week. And uh, right, and I love that band, and they have that. It just reminds me of those that like sometimes you're in the studio and you're like, this is cool, we're recording. And then every once in a while, like, no, no, right, we're really recording, aren't we? Everyone kind of looks around at each other, and you're like, I don't know what it is that's getting on tape, but I hear it too. (laughs) Or you think you do, or you hope you do. To me, that's like, what do you call that? I guess some people call it, I don't know, spirit or... Serendipity? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's 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 magic, I think, you know. And, and That's my yeah. I like to think so too. Some cosmic electric. I, sound, I always wish some scientist would figure it out. Mm-hmm. And yeah. go like, this is how the dead did it. <laughs> we know it's a lot a about parlor trick. <laughs> we know a lot about neuroscience, but it um, what's happening in the brain and the, the neural connections and the pathways and the myelin sheath between the neurons and everything. But I, I feel like we don't know a whole lot about how when humans play music together or maybe even sports together and that when they click and they all kind of unite into one thing, I, I don't think we have good science on what's happening in that. Yeah. Moment. What is that? What's that's, that's a, well, I've never heard it put to, so well like that. that that's, and I, that thing has always been fascinating to me. Yeah. There's cool. even though, you ever heard of that place CERN? Uh, yeah. The, it's like a big telescope place yeah and there's like it's not supposedly there's legends or rumors that these uh, are the people that work around those insane super colliders uh-huh. oh yeah 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 that thing that like they'll sometimes like this is like this is like such urban myth but <laughs> that those cats will just dance in unison and not know why at times hmm. I, yeah. I love the idea that that would take place yeah like hey you guys all of a sudden we're doing this dance together why we're a little too close to the i don't know i love that myth i'm gonna stick with it it's like the flat earther one <laughs> that yeah. thing died yeah well, if it inspires you stick with it i think that's what i think <laughs> that's good so hey um you know you, you you say pretty busy touring recording and uh, doing all kinds of stuff and i know things are, are kind of changing right now with uh, coronavirus and all that but uh, what what projects do you got coming up this year
that's the best way I understand it. But it has to. It involves the computer, and then um, after that, uh, I'm filming a few shows, and then that like this. So they're filming some shows to to hopefully make it look like we filmed one. I guess is my understanding of it. I call this stuff like punts because there's no real new songs. And then there was one other thing that we were doing this year that I forget. Oh, oh, this, this, there's a book. There's some guys writing a book um, about me, I think, but not like my my life. I think, like I wrote a book once already, and this is sort of, I guess, the follow-up to it. A lot of that I don't really have to do much about. Mostly I just tour this year and try to make up a few more songs. I only have three, so I got seven more. That's it. I just go kind of try to find some new tunes. Right. What was that other thing I was going to do? Oh, yeah, me and this kid named, um, you know, uh, Kreutzmann, Justin Kreutzmann. His dad's the dead drummer. Okay. And he makes these great documentaries. And we, not this year, but next year, we're going to try to make a film on if we're both alive, etc. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, Jerry Jeff Walker, who is uh, like a wrote Mr. Bojangles, but was also like a Hunter Thompson type person. And that's what we want to get the documentary about. Interesting. So it'd be you two kind of exploring his life? Yeah, because I've been obsessed with him my whole life, and I know all the legends, and I know who knows all the legends, and I know that there's all these insane stories about this man that no one knows. There should be a movie about this person's life, but... I think for some reason that it all kept hush hush or something, but but this guy, he was Hunter Thompson was his main running buddy, and Buffett, the three of them, he had he had a huge influence on both of those men, wow. and he was a uh, just incredibly free to the to his own detriment, to everybody's detriment, but but there was something really magic about him that don't make guys like that much anymore yeah 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 he he's he's always been uh fascinating to me i don't know a ton about him i didn't know there was a hunter a hunter thompson connection to him. yeah they were like brothers and there's this people don't know that that that, that uh he, he was like um and I'm not trying to like it. it's not just about party either although when when it came to that he was like like and Liam Gallagher's, you know, but also just when it came to having nerve and telling the record company no, and just all of that, there was just, uh, they just put him in the Hall of Fame and there was a bunch of like Rodney Crowell and people sitting around talking. It's like the rules just didn't apply to that guy because he's, because he had the nerve to say no. Like in the, I'm rambling now, but in the 70s, MCA, he got signed to MCA, and and they and they put um, almost three hundred thousand dollars in his bank account, but it took them eleven months to find him, and and tell him this. He didn't know or care. He was living. He he was being alive, and finally he had a manager in New York that found him in Austin. And had to go there to find him because I don't know. I always thought that was fascinating. And then when they were like, "You have a deal on MCA," he was like, "Eh, <laughs> you know." 
Yeah, I don't know. And and then he was like, I'll do it if you guys... Willie watched him do it. Waylon Jennings watched him do it, too. That's where they, how they learned to say, I'll do it if you let me do it my own way. Huh. Anyway, I yeah. could go on and on. I, I'm, so I want to make the movie, and I want to get those people saying, yeah, the first person I saw to tell a record company to shove it was Jerry Jeff. I like that. Yeah, it's funny. He, he used to do it all the time. That's cool stuff. You know, there's these like, like kind of cowboy hippie types that are fascinating to me. Jerry Jeff, uh, Towns Van Zant, uh, Ramblin' Jack, and yeah. it's this weird like. I just saw Ramblin' Jack out in Elko at the Cowboy Poetry Gathering, and uh, yeah, I saw. I was with him right before he went to that. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah, yeah we just toured. I, I, he's like a dad to me. Those, that's a cool fraternity. That group of men. They look after each other yeah they're they're really cool i got to i got to see him perform and uh, kind of hang out with those guys a little bit and dom flemons was out there too but it's funny that it's, it's like you, you wouldn't like they seem like um, disparate worlds the, the cowboy world and the sort of hippie free free vibe you know and somehow the, these guys they, they blend them together in this weird way that's just just utterly fascinating to me and i and i really think that that like that go that started with ramblin jack and then Jerry Jeff just says he was trying to be like Ramblin' Jack Elliott. Hmm. Jerry Jeff Walker. I mean, he he made up that name sort of to make it sound like that. But really, it was like, and it's, I felt like for me when I started to, it's like this is a little bit more about hitchhiking and meeting girls than, than singing's just part of it. Right. And then one day, you get, you know, you get offered a bunch of money to make the singing the main part. And that's what I, mean, it's, I mean, that's kind of what happened to me too. And I did, and I did my best, but I don't always make I, singing's not always the main part, though. Right. I don't even mean that mean. It's just I mean, he, Ramblin' Jack's still the same way. The right girl and the right card game, and the whole tour's canceled. <laughs> that could be a song too. <laughs> right. <laughs> All right, man. Well, that's all the questions I had uh, ready for you this morning. Well, thank you. I appreciate you listening to me. And I'll see you out there if I do. Where will I go now that I'm gone?